Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 29 for me and season 25 for Amanda. And this is day 12 of season 97. Our first question uh, asks us in a roundabout way, what is the second largest city and principal port of Kenya? I uh, had no idea. Nothing here was really singing for me. Uh, so I figured Nairobi, I'm pretty sure, is in Kenya. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's probably the biggest city in Kenya, but that may just be because it's the one I've heard of. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, I'll go with Nairobi for lack of anything else. Yeah, I considered Nairobi and was pretty sure it was the actual capital mm. um, and and the, you know, the largest city. Um, so, but beyond that, I don't remember other city names in Kenya. Um, I remember that uh, Dar es Salaam came up as a, a, I think, a Jeopardy answer recently. Um, and I thought, is that in Kenya? Maybe. I mean, this the question mm. talks about it being settled by the Arabs in the 8th century, etc. Um, I thought maybe that indicated a, a fairly Arabic-sounding name. Um, and I considered one or two other options, but, you know, kind of like you said, nothing was really clicking for me. Is like, oh, yeah, that's definitely in Kenya and definitely, you know, a very large city. So I just put down Dar es Salaam. It was Mombasa. Okay, English. sure. I probably would not have been able to identify as being Kenyan. Yeah, I don't even know if I would say that as well. Question two asks us, what's the highest frequency used for an FM radio station in the U.S.? It gives us a bunch of other clues that might help you help you get to it. Uh, yes, in particular, it notes that the lowest frequency is 88.1, um, <coughs> and it gives us a couple of examples of it gives us an example for that value and also gives us an example for the, the value that we're supposed to put down uh, for the answer. It gives us, I should say, a radio station that uses that as its frequency. Um, and so this is one where I didn't really just kind of know it outright, but I tried to think through it like a puzzle a little bit um, in the sense that I thought, okay... This is going to be somewhere in the range of like 106, 107, or 108. Because um, that's that's as, as high as I could think of any uh, radio station frequencies ever being. Like, And mm -hmm. this is going back to thinking about when I w listened to the radio like in the 80s. Um, you know, trying to think what the, the frequency numbers were for different stations I remember. Um, I thought, I remember at least a 106, you know, that, that I had pretty solid. So then I thought, okay, you know, thinking about the way humans set up stuff like this, there's going to be a round number of numbers, like frequency numbers that'll be used in just, you know, setting a bandwidth, I guess. Um, and so I, uh, thought, well, if I go up from 88, 88, 89, and 90, that's 3, add another 10 to get us to 100, so that's 13, and then if I add another 7, then that'll be an even 20. So that seemed like about the right place for 
the, the bandwidth, I guess, to end. Um, and since it mentions, you know, this, uh, these stations are, um, only use odd decimal places like 88.13579. So for there to be 20 complete numbers available in the band or whatever, um, then the very last one of those would have to be 107.9. And that sounded plausible enough to me. I don't know this Philly radio station that has that. And I'm kind of irked that, that Thorsten gave exactly one example of that just as a gift to people in the Philly area. Like, okay, I guess, you know, just you guys get lucky on that score and, and the rest of us have to count our way up from 88. <laughs> um, but I did put down 107.9 and I thought, eh, that's, that seems like a plausible enough thing, but was not at all sure of it. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Hey. I, didn't do any of that logic. Didn't think of it at all. I was just trying to think like, what's a really high, like, I know that it's like mid hundreds. Like it's not 110. It doesn't go up that high. Right. So kind of like 109, 108 doesn't really work. 107, 106, 106, 106.7 for some reason just kind of clicked like the cadence of it. Mm. I think probably because spoiler, you were right. 107.9 <laughs> is the same number of syllables as 106.7. Uh. Um, and that would be the only set of 106 that has that. Um, so it just, for lack of anything else, I figured, yeah, okay, sure. Would it go up to 106.9? Maybe. But, but I just couldn't uh, couldn't convince myself of, of anything else. And 106.7 just kind of sang. So I went with it. It was 107.9. Well done. Thank you. I am sort of amazed that uh, something that other humans put in place followed my brand of logic mm. for it. <laughs> I, I figure at least I have an explanation for why I picked it. So luckily it worked out. Uh, question three asks, uh, essentially, who was the president of Mexico from 1876, uh, or rather, uh, sort of 1884 to 1911. Mm -hmm. I think probably from 1876 as well. I'm yeah. thinking that that's when his, what his first term was, was 76, 84. But right. I didn't know this. Mm. Uh, I, I tried thinking of uh, <clears throat> turn of the 19th century Mexican figures. And the only ones I could think of were all like, Mexican-American War, Spanish-American War, not, no, not Spanish-American War, Mexican-American War, ah. uh, you know, which was several decades earlier. Mm. Um, so just nothing came to me. And finally, I just kind of thought Zapata, was Zapata a, uh, a Mexican politician, possible coup leader? Like, eh, maybe, I feel like that kind of sounds reasonable. Uh, it's, it's not fitting into any other areas of my brain that, uh, that that's discouraging me. So, okay, sure, I'll go with Zapata. Um, I did basically the same thing um, because I don't know uh, Mexican history very well. Um, I, I didn't have a range of names to select from. Uh, truly, that was um, the only option that came to mind is like, 
a person who was, um, uh, you know, probably active in a political sort of sphere in Mexico around the turn of the 20th century. Um, and so, yeah, the end. I, I put down Zapata <laughs> as well. Yeah. Well, at least we had the, uh, the, the timing roughly correct. Mm-hmm. But it was Porfirio Diaz. Right. Who I don't know that I've ever heard of. Well, it's uh, Zapata had a relationship to him. Uh, I'm reading on Wikipedia mm -hmm. here. Um, I have not read up much on him before. Um, and he was much more the, the revolutionary figure. Yes. So um, I just figured maybe... He went from revolutionary leader to leader leader mm -hmm. around that time. Um, so, yeah, no luck there. No. Yeah, well. Question four asks us for a term in social social psychology, uh, sort of devised by Walter Lippmann, but comes from an earlier term uh, coming from the Greek for solid and impression. Yes, and originally it referred to a method of duplicate printing which sent me off on a, a fairly long train of thought that was hard to shake off about, like, is this some, a mimeograph or a, you know, ditto? I, I, I thought about, I kept thinking about something that was like um, groupthink or something like that for, you know, being that it's important in social psychology. Um, and then I kind of let my brain, I guess, um, fiddle around with the idea of it being often pejorative and coming from this method of duplicate printing. Um, and so I certainly don't know the Greek roots for, for these types of things. Although, as I think I might have said yesterday, things with Y in them tend to be Greek more so than Latin. Um, and so, uh, I, I, something about this suggested something, um, that maybe we now see as more pejorative than Lippmann would have back in 1922. Uh, and I figured something about a prejudice or bigotry or bias or, um, you know, something like that might have been more neutral then and now we see as very negative, um, and finally, my brain kind of uh, turned the corner and there in front of me was stereotype as a possibility for this thing. And I thought, oh, yeah, I guess that could be, you know, I don't really know about stereo and type as um, these Greek roots, although type being impression kind of makes sense. You think about a typewriter is something that's... Um, you know, kind of pressing into paper and so on, uh, and, you know, typesetting and so on. So I thought, yeah, that sounds, that that rings the bell of the duplicate printing method. Um, I thought that that was, uh, that, that fit um, that part of the, the clue. Um, and so I thought, yeah, could that have originally been a little more neutral and now it's, you know, seen as a pejorative, like a stereotype is usually seen as a negative thing. Um, so I put down stereotype. Uh, I kind of half got this uh, before it clicked for me. Because I figured 
from for for a type of printing it had to be something type ah uh, i was thinking zera type like as in xerox like no the, zera is dry so that's not mm. it so it's some kind of some kind of impression some kind of type and i thought a, a, a pejorative social psychology term of public opinion and sort of let that roll around in my head and eventually landed on stereotype I thought, oh okay is stereo for solid i i just kind of would have figured that stereo meant like mirror or double or something like that just uh -huh. because of its you know, term in audio and the like yeah um but you know, kind of thought about it and stereo might might be uh from the same root or eventually as stone or something like that. So, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, stereotype. Is that a current uh, psychological meaning? Yeah. Is it often pejorative? Yeah. Would it have been in a book called Public Opinion? Sure. Yeah, okay, we'll go with stereotype. And that was the correct answer. I, I sort of wondered to myself, is stereo solid in the sense of like solid state electronics or something? I, I, I don't know. That was the, the only connection I could kind of come up with to the solid part. Um, but uh, I will move on and mention question five here. Um, the uh, question five asks us for the name of a cake that and gives it a, a, the name in a couple of other languages and notes that its popularity stems from a contest held by the fruit producer James Dole. So Dole, my first thought is pineapples. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought, well, this is maybe a pineapple upside down cake. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm kind of checking and I see the Brazilian version is bolo de ananas. And I think anana, is that, is that banana or is that pineapple? Like I, I feel like maybe that's pineapple, but it looks a lot more like banana. <laughs> so would it be banana bread? Mm. Uh, is that a cake? Yeah, I, I think you could probably get away with calling it a cake. Uh, and the other version, French tarte tatin. I don't know what tatin means. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that a banana? Is that a pineapple? Don't know. Doesn't Wasn't ringing a bell for either one. I'm going back like, would Dole have made banana? Yeah, Dole probably had bananas as well. I mean, they uh, the, the Dole company was famous for causing... Uh, coups and the like in banana republics mm. uh, of course also the annexation of hawaii was at the behest of the dole corporation so that could be pineapples as well and i just really just bounced back and forth for a while in this just trying to convince myself that i absolutely knew what anana meant one way or the other <clears throat> uh, and couldn't and finally just said well First thing I thought of was pineapple upside down cake, so I'm going to go with that. Okay. Yeah, this is one where um, the ananas part definitely clinched it for me as far as it being pineapple upside down cake. Um, and it's one of those things where I've seen that meme going around where it points out how... Uh, English, and I think particularly American English, has just weird words for fruit that are known as totally other names around the world. One of them is pineapple versus ananas. Um, and uh, that combined with like 
what cakes does a pineapple go in? I mean, you could argue it goes in like a carrot cake, but that's, I think that is too far afield and was probably a little later than 1925. Um, really more traces to World War II and some of the ingredient, you know, shortages led people to use interesting stuff in the cakes. Um, but yeah, thinking about what this could possibly be, um, you know, the fact that it comes from the Dole Company um, definitely said, okay, this has got to be pineapple. And the only famous pineapple cake really that I know of is pineapple upside down cake. So uh, that's what I put down. And that was correct. Yeah. Indeed. As I was, as Good grab after I submitted and I was reading down and like missed the first three, Oof. I was like, can't, you know, got, oh yeah, I got stereotype right. And I'm kind of slowly scrolling down. Like if this turns out to be banana <laughs> bread, I am going to walk out into the polluted air and just start breathing <laughs> until I fall over and die. But no, fortunately it was pineapple upside down cake. Yes. And I will say um, that banana bread would fall into the category of quick breads. If you are, you uh, if that ever comes in handy for trivia, I suppose it's, there's kind of a blurry line between things like that and cakes and cupcakes and, you know, coffee cakes. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're all in a similar vein of kind of like a, a very liquid or soft batter based kind of, mm -hmm. you know, fruit studded baked good kind of deal. Um, but it's definitely something that I would not characterize as a cake just because it's in a loaf pan, you know, kind of, it's a different, different form factor, even though it's cakey. Fair. Question six uh, gives us a lot of detail about uh, poker hands and asks us what is the third weakest poker hand? Yeah, this one I had to really just kind of talk myself through, um, including the part about like third from the bottom. I'm glad that there's the parenthetical of third weakest because third from the bottom could sound like fourth weakest mm -hmm. if that wasn't kind of uh, yeah. reemphasized like that. So, um, so I had to kind of get my head straight on that one. Um, and then I had to just re like, remember for myself what are the nine types of winning hands in <laughs> poker games so that i made sure i wasn't missing one that that would have been mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you know mixed in there um so you know starting with you know, like high card is the lowest a pair is second lowest i had to kind of uh, work out for myself like okay the probabilities here <laughs> um would like I knew the next one would be either two pairs or three of a kind. And I was pretty sure that, you know, three of a kind was a significantly lower probability than two pairs because it doesn't have, you know, that second pair doesn't have to be the same as the first in any way. So um, I was pretty sure that was my answer, but I went through and enumerated, you know, flush, straight, full house, four of a kind, you know, straight flush. Like I, I went through and I'd probably have missed some in that enumeration right there. Um, but I was pretty sure that two pairs was going to be third lowest or third weakest. Um, you know, if we're, if we're going from a high card basically as, as the bottom. 
So, uh, you know, this is one I'm really uh, grateful that my dad was happy to teach me card games. <laughs> and so, um, including poker, I think that I, I learned this at his instruction um, and probably also reinforced it reading like Hoyle's rules and stuff like that. So uh, I put down two pairs. Uh, as listeners may remember, I did much of my growing up in Reno, Nevada, spent more time than I should have in casinos and around casinos and the like. And so I know that this was two pair and just to, just to make sure that I was thinking the same way that Thorsten was thinking and kind of wrote them all out in the answer box just to make, okay, it's high card, it's a pair, it's two pair, it's three of a kind, it's straight, it's a flush. It's full house, it's four of kind, it's straight flush. Okay, that's the nine that he's talking about. Okay. Yes, technically a royal flush is not a different hand from a straight flush. Right. It is simply an ace high straight flush. Uh, even though on most poker machines, a royal flush gets you better odds than a straight flush. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was, this one was right down the, right down the middle for me in particular. Mm -hmm. And it was, while I do have some amount of quibble that the official answer is two pairs, it is uh, almost exclusively referred to as two pair. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, just because I guess gamblers want to save the letter. <laughs> yeah, and that is the correct answer. Uh, two pairs, I'm sure two pair would be accepted. Bloody well better be. Because um, plurals don't matter, okay. you know, canonically, generally. Not that it much matters, given that I got three on the day, and mm. I am going to lose. Well, I think I have gotten four on the day two days in a row prior to this and tied both of them. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, things can happen. Um, and for I'm you, hoping yes. for that today as well, because I'm at four. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think I probably missed the two that would be potentially most difficult for a lot of people, so... I don't have a huge hope of actually um, getting more points than, you know, get getting poorly defended um, mm -hmm. on this one. Uh, but I'm just going to bask in the glow of being in the green zone for one more day. <laughs> and then this might kick me out of it. I don't know. It, it's I expected that to happen yesterday, too. So sure. I guess we'll see. Yep. Well, that's it for today. Tune in tomorrow for more post-game analysis. And remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat.